absolutely mad. The riots began because the stores could not meet the demand of Sutter Kane's novel, In the Mouth of Madness. Kane disappeared two months ago without a trace. I'm the guy that writes horror books. You can forget about Stephen King. Kane outsells them all. I need to know if he's alive or dead, and I need that book. It's a setup. It's a setup. I just have to work out how it's set up. Kane's writing has been known to have an effect on his readers. See this? It's a map. This whole thing has been staged. You just get out. This is not reality. It's all happening for real, Trent. Hey everybody, it's the Cannon Cruisers. I'm JD. And like usual, I'm Randy and excited to be here. And today we're talking about a movie from 1994, In the Mouth of Badness, by John, John Carpenter, Carpenter. And written by Michael DeLuca, starring Sam Neill, Julie Carmen, Jürgen Prochnow, and good old Charlton Heston. Yes, this is a... Our, yearly or i should say seasonly because we seem to do this every season john carpenter movie and i just want to make a clarification what? for the record that may affect how i'm doing this when are we basing our release date on on north america or just theatrically in general probably just in general okay because 94 it was released in italy uh-huh uh actually on december 10th it was around the time of uh, Jurassic Park, because Samuel was also in And that. then, the release date in the U.S. was February 3rd in 95. Okay. That's why I'm saying, is this a 94 film or a 95? Because mostly, for non-international films, you usually go by the American date. Plus, considering it was released other, everywhere else first, I would go with the earlier release date. I'll just... Keep it simple and say film 1994. Ha- film had a budget of $8 million and domestically made made back 8.6. Oh, okay. Dollars. Not dollars. Million. Not, not millions. Dollars. <laughs> dollars. 8.9 million domestic. So you can go ahead and describe the uh, film as we had watched it. In the Mouth of Madness is a story based on H.P. Lovecraft. That's pretty much it. It's a H.P. Lovecraft story. It's not a real H.P. Lovecraft story. It's just a H.P. Lovecraft story. And if you want to know what that means, well, I don't mean stuff like uh, whatever we call Lovecraftian nowadays, which are just usually Lovecraft monsters. Well, let me just to read the IMDb one description for you. I mean, it's a Lovecraft story. An insurance investigator begins discovering that the impact a horror writer's books have on his fans is more than inspirational. That doesn't really tell you anything about it, though. That could be a, and a slasher fans, movie. And fans, I'm not pausing this. I'm not doing anything. I apologize to you. But my furnace just turned on, and you will soon be hearing the fan. Yep, that's... Welcome to winter. (laughs) Yep, welcome to winter. Yep, as I said, this is H.P. Lovecraft story. What it is, is it means is somebody who goes investigating something, and eventually reality turns out to be not what he thought it was, and it drives him insane. That's pretty much the story. That's pretty much everything Lovecraft's ever done. Although the author in this story is called Stutter Kane, obviously based on... Stutter Kane. Stutter Based Kane. on John Carpenter's good old buddy... Stephen King. Stephen King. That's pretty And cool. most of the episode... episode most of the ser- series... Most of the movie... <laughs> am, I, am I getting my terminology right? Most of the movie <laughs> yeah. is takes place in a main town yeah. called Hobbs End. Mm. which New England. Is in New England, sorry. So, it's basically... Sutter Kane's version of Stephen King's Castle Rock. Mm. Although, obviously, before that. 
It's, all, it's also, like I said, it's clearly H.P. Lovecraft uh, iconography everywhere. And no, I'm not talking about the Castle Rock TV series. I'm talking about the Castle Rock that's existed in King's works for many, 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 many moons. Mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. But yeah, this is, uh, this is John Carpenter's, not his first movie in the 90s, I think. I think it's the second or third i don't remember that sounds right i don't remember but it's not it's not one of his 80s movies because so it had vampires i believe before this one uh i think so dang it, i didn't want the cast i wanted the director yeah sam neill is the is plays the main character in this movie and randy for some reason thought he was doing an uh, american accent but he was actually doing his natural new zealand accent <laughs> I don't know why he thought that i'm tired <laughs> I don't know. This is not an easy movie to discuss because it pretty much just goes on about what is the nature of reality. That's pretty much the entire story. So you want John Carpenter directed or just John Carpenter general? Might as well say directed. So Memoirs of an Invisible Man was prior to this and prior Mm -hmm. to that was They Live. Yeah. What comes after in the Mouth of Madness is Village of the Damned and Escape from L.A. and then Vampires. Then Ghost of Mars. So it's kind of a downhill slide a little bit. Yeah. I mean, Ghost of Mars is easily the worst thing he ever did, so not a not a strong way to end it, unfortunately. But uh, this one... So what's your opinion, general opinion on it, impressions? This one, um, I wanted to watch this one because I heard it was about... It was basically his take on a Lovecraft story, so I wanted to see what he would do with this one, and I thought he did a pretty good job. Um, I was kind of uh, hesitant a bit because his 90s work is not exactly known for being that good especially considering his 80s work is pretty close to flawless but uh, i actually enjoyed myself i was engaged the whole way through as i like uh, these types of stories and i like uh, i like lovecraft and i like uh john carpenter so it was a good combination oh and i like sam neill so there's that too how about you randy that's yeah, fine <laughs> it's fine it's no ghosts of Mars. I'm. Basically, it's like with the with the premise of what it is. It was what I expected. It. It's like mm-hmm. nothing surprising. No, it's like I was expecting a little bit more body horror. To it being John Carpenter, uh, I wasn't really in the mood for a horror movie today. But it's not really that frightening of a movie. Not really horrific. There's more of a mystery element to it. Yeah, that's uh, what. But Lovecraft like I said, it's fine. I don't know why people think Lovecraft stories are scary. They're not. Usually, they're not. They're uh, just mysteries, and they're good, usually good mysteries. Because like I said, I like. I like the, uh, the the way he ends up finding everything out, how everything starts twisting the deeper he gets in, and by the end of the movie, how he utterly loses it. <laughs> I really like the movie scene at the end. I thought that was pretty funny. And that's like I was doing some quick like research, like mm-hmm. what, what what the reception at the time was, and it's like mixed. Um, a lot of it, some people seemed to not understand it, some people did, but I think for us who've grown up with these this type of storytelling mm-hmm. where there's a set of a, a layer of meta-ness to it like spoilers people this movie gets incredibly meta because mm-hmm. the main character himself is a character inside a book yeah. being written by the author who's inside his own book using his own power in order to bring the old ones into the, our reality yeah and that's and by bringing them by bringing the character from his other book into another book yeah it's like that it's it gets really really off the wall but that's the sort of thing you kind of expect with a Lovecraft story only done in a modern time, which is what it was. In fact, um, I don't think this period had much in the way of horror. I think there was around this period we had Silence of the Lambs, maybe, and I think that was more or less it. And that was less horror and more of a thriller? Yeah, there's, there was really a whole lot from, uh, from the early 90s 
In oh. fact, I think most of it was just the tail end of the slasher genre. That's it, because there was a period in the 90s before uh, Wes Craven's Scream, yeah. where horror got revitalized for a bit. I think it was bit. a year after this, and then, and then what happened was there was, a, a, there was a while where horror laid fallow, and even though you got the occasional Nightmare on Elm Street and, and all those stuff after the final Friday the 13 <laughs> movies... Leading up to them, they were all just kind of like bottle the barrel, straight to DVD type of horror. I like that you call them the final Friday the Thirteenth movies, because <laughs> they're, they're so, of the original series. There's a there's a bunch of final movies in that series, but yes, that this was the kind of a transitional period for horror slashers were kind of dead at this point. And like and, I said, this wasn't really a horror movie. It and was next like, year was that. It's not even really a psychological horror movie. Just kind of it, a it was unsettling. There 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 was unset feelings of unsettling. Uh, like imagery and all yeah. that but like i said not really a oh my god i'm so scared type of thing but i could just be desensitized <laughs> there's also the possibility of that Although, i also watched a really bad movie prior to watching this so i think i'm just dead inside now though i have to say coming after they live it obviously him riffing a bit more off of that sort of thing because there's a lot of similarity i thought between the two although that one is a lot less of a uh a creeper movie so so we're kind of rambling a little bit mm -hmm. here so let's uh let me switch a roo around it and go with yeah. your uh what's your low light of the film My, i like to change this up every once in a while <laughs> it kind of it kind of shakes me up when you when you switch around like that because i'm ready to say one thing and then i have to think of the other i, I just i do what makes me feels well since you're in the worst mood of the two of us why don't you say what your low light is um the tension does not get maintained it's like it's like you get really tense and then that tension drops for a while mm -hmm. and then they try to pick it up but then at that point they're just kind of going oh here's the meta thing so it doesn't maintain its tension throughout the movie uh, which which i like you said you were engaged throughout i started to get a little bit like ah we've already they're, they're repeating themselves now we've already seen this we already mm -hmm. we get the point move on uh actually that kind of goes into mind i think it's a movie it's not that long a movie either it's only an hour and 35 minutes but it but does, it feels a much longer because feel a they, bit longer because it kind of gets repetitive yeah it gets repetitive point. like they keep showing you the same they're doing it with a reason why they're reusing this imagery over and mm. over again well i'm not talking about the reused imagery i don't i don't mind that no I mean, no i mean you, i'm talking format. about like i'm talking about for the example like the time dilation the time loop part mm -hmm. they kept going back to that same thing over and over again of Oh, here's here's the same event over and over and yeah. over and over. Yeah, and like yeah it, you know how I feel about time loops in movies uh, <laughs> very well. Um, so, like I said, it's it's kind of screwed up some of the tension of the film. Mm -hmm. like and like I said, they pick that back up, but once the reveal happens, you're like, okay, there's no tension. There's no real anything after this. It's just okay. Let's see mm -hmm. how this this pans out now that we re now that it's been revealed that I am so smart. I am meta. It's the it's it's the movie made for meta kids, I guess. Very, it's very, it's a very millennial movie. Let's put it that. No, way. it's it's meant to be. It's it's trying to be very, um, liter literary, like minded, like with with the meta textual stuff between Lovecraft and then the meta within its self meta, mm -hmm. self contextual meta that it's going on. It's like, ah, uh. what if reality wasn't what you thought it was? Which is pretty much every Lovecraft story. But we we might as well just go on to the other side of that coin now, which is what's your highlight of the film, JD? What's my highlight of the film? My highlight of the film, as I said, um, the direction for this movie is surprisingly good. And I'm saying this not not because it's John Carpenter. because Wow, you, you honestly don't like John Carpenter's uh, directing? <laughs> you think this is his best directorial effort? What? Because I've seen John Carpenter movies in the 90s, and they're not really well done. This one's a lot closer to what he did in the 80s. It's not as in-your-face about it. It's actually very, like I said, reminiscent of They Live and how he 
lets everything kind of settle in, how he lets it creep in. He doesn't have to rely on shock core, which, you know, was pretty pretty common for the time. And I was actually kind of surprised watching this one because, as I said, I've seen his later work. And I don't recommend a lot of it, especially Ghost of Mars. No, no, Ghost of Mars is one of those movies that I'll bring up as like, it's one of those bad movies, but it's bad as in bad good. That that's worth watching. I'm if you never want to see something awful. I'm, if you want to see something awful, I'm never going to go that far yeah. with that movie. Um, so my highlight of movie is basically going to be the, the construction of the plot because mm. uh, while it does meander and all that, it's well constructed that the you should be able to figure out the ending, and then once you know what the ending is, you can look at it and go, no, this indicates that you mm-hmm. just, they foreshadowed this, they foreshadowed this. We saw the visions for this, but now we have the conte- context of what this is. Mm-hmm. So everything was there. The big reveal of him being a fictional character there mm-hmm. all made sense and it was all consistent within itself all the meta of it was consistent yep. and it, it, it kind of was a little twilight zoney uh mm-hmm. in, in many ways with, with yep. that very weird tale. that's like i said I, I just like the way that the, the the movie itself was constructed like the, the actual plot was constructed as i said uh, i thought he did a good job with this one because as i said uh, when i heard people talk about the, a 90s john carpenter movie really <laughs> okay, and then I saw it. And, okay, I, I, now I see why. So shake it up again. I'm going to predict what your rating for this film will be because I have seen it in foreshadowing within the movie itself. And it You're going to give the movie a four out of five because it's not a perfect film, but uh, but you really enjoyed it and you think a lot more people should see it. And you're going to give this a three out of five because while you enjoy the elements of it, it wasn't the best constructed and it's not as strong as his 80s work. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> so I guess we don't have to confirm what the other one was thinking then on that one. No, you were giving me a hand that you were going to give it a five. I'm like, no, no, you're giving it a four. No, I was trying to throw you off. I was going to give it a four. You, you've, you've read me in, Randy. You've written the story of my life. What? Yeah, actually, I have. Uh, it's I'm... in that notebook on top of the uh, Kira. <laughs> now I'm um, going mad. You, you know, the, the notebook that says that she has no name, Daryl? <laughs> this is not reality. Yeah. That's uh, but that's pretty much uh, all we got for this one. There's no real interesting trivia for this one, right? It's there's just... a lot of trivia, but at the same time, it's not that interesting. It's like you get the uh, you get the idea that Sutter Kane is based on Stephen well, King, obviously. even to the point where he where they tease Stephen King in there with like, oh, he's even a, well, a, a big bigger selling author than Stephen King. Stephen King's a hack. Yeah, his name is Sutter Kane. Stephen yeah. King. But no, that's literally oh, yeah. a line in the film of he's like, even a bigger name than Stephen King. Stephen King's a hack in comparison. <laughs> Yes, that was obviously what they were going for. Um, yeah. It's like literally stuff like that. Yeah, uh, just... Some slight changes. Like oh, one scene, actually, this is a scene that I'll, let me, the big reveal at the end is kind of a highlight, but a piece of trivia regarding it. So let me set the picture for you here. He, Sutter Kane is telling him what his mission is and that what you're going to do because this is what you have to do because this is how I wrote it. You're taking my manuscript back and letting the old ones in. And he turns the door and you think he's going to rip turn open the door. But instead, he turns and faces the camera and starts tearing himself open like he's on a page. Yeah. And then the page is just sitting there behind. Like, you see a big hole into the abyss behind him in the page as he's gone. Basically, became so, one with the old ones with that one. Uh, apparently, the, there was something they had wanted to do more mm-hmm. uh, there, but the it was going to be too expensive. Yeah. Um, so, instead, what they did... Let me get you the thing. I gotta say, though, with the budget they had, he did a pretty good job with the effects. Like I said, it looks very much like an 80s movie because there's not a, any reliance on bad CG. When Jürgen Prochnow lets the monsters from the other side into our world, originally in the script, the entire town was sucked into the other side. 
This prove when this proved to be too costly and affects artists over industrial light and magic, recommended that instead he tears himself apart like paper. I really like that imagery of mm-hmm. the confirmation that that they are in the book because he literally tore himself up like paper. And then on the other side, all you saw was the written word, like the book. Mm-hmm. Like and that. You, that's a really good one. And you see him look through the other side, but you don't see what he's looking at. So it it kind of makes you more unsettled a bit. It's it's a good touch. I, I like that they had to rely. I like when they when they don't have a high budget, so they have to be creative. You know, you use CG for everything. It's not much. Not much else though. Is there's a, there? No, there's a lot of trivia, but not really any important, interesting trivia. Yeah. Uh, like the name for Hobbs End is actually a reference, a tongue-in-cheek reference, mm-hmm. in joke to the subway station where the alien ship is excavated in the movie Quartermass and the Pit. Oh, that's a good reference. Yeah, and then other things like, oh, this is John, John Carpenter appears earlier in the movie with as in cameo when Sam Neill's bought, brought into the insane asylum and yells, I'm not insane, and then it pans <laughs> to John Carpenter going, me neither. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was... Um... And of course, classic things like, despite being set in and with heavy reference to New York, Sam Neill speaks with his natural New Zealand accent, most notably when he says the word them in the opening of the film, emphasizing the E as an I. So them, them. He, and you know, Who's he, your them? Who's your them? If you've seen Jurassic Park, you know he could have done an American accent. Yeah. He just didn't. Which I'm fine with. I thought he did good with the, with his accent. And yeah, they, they kind of point out what, what the Sutter Kane books are referencing, like mm. which what exactly which Lovecraft. Like I said, it's a lot of stuff. Just read the IMDB thing, people, if you're interested in it. Yeah. There's not really much for us to talk about, I guess. There's not much for us to really to add into it that, that would really illuminate, like, anything. Mm. So, I guess with that, this is... That's, uh, this is our non-canonical episode for this... Uh... Hey, J.D., why didn't you say the title this time? I don't ever say the title. That's what I'm saying. Why didn't you say... It's like, for a change of pace, why didn't you say what what this uh, sub-series is called? Because I hate the title. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's say why it. I'm not saying it. You I get a little meta here. I, I, I wrote you. I have the power. You're going to say the title. And that's all we've got for this episode. I'm JD. Of the non-canonical adventures of JD and Randy. And he's Randy. And, and we'll I'm ha- and Randy. And I'm handy. And I'm hungry. And I'm tired. And, and we'll I'm sleepy. see you next time, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Mais uma que me roma. Mais você. Quiser, ficou de mais pela cota da mão.